it was a hundred years ago this month, and so there is no one with living memory that can tell the story. But the story has been told over and over again. It was written down in letters and diaries, journals left on both sides of the conflict. No one organized it. It just happened. It was completely spontaneous. But Christmas Eve, 1914, all along the western front of World War I, the guns fell silent and the sounds of Christmas carols was heard. And the story of the Christmas truce is one of the most compelling and one of the most human events of World War I. Jenkins, Oakley, Knight. Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, it's schön, um, it's schön.
watch that video, and I'm struck with the notion that we will never see that kind of truce again. And it's not just that we have different enemies and different ideologies, but war is different. And in an age of drones and smart bombs, war is not personal. And so peace cannot be personal either. And yet, peace has to be personal. It needs to be personal. Before it's about nations at war, before it's about neighborhoods in turmoil, before it's about families torn apart, peace has to be personal. It's personal with God. So personal that when He wanted a truce with us, He didn't send a delegation. He didn't send an ambassador. He sent His Son. He sent Himself to make peace. That's the heart of the Christmas message. You can have Christmas without Santa. You can have Christmas without a tree. You can have Christmas without the packages. You can have Christmas without the bows and and all the other stuff. But if there is no peace, then there is no Christmas. That is the heart of the message. It's the heart of the text that we turn to today in in Luke chapter 2. Looking just at the first first, uh, 14 verses of Luke chapter 2. You're going to find those on page 857 in your, uh, in your pew Bibles there. 857. It's a story we, we go to every year this time. Luke writes, In, that, in those days, a, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now watch the news. And whether it's Iran or Iraq, whether it's Ferguson or New York City, I see the need for peace. And I talk to you guys. And whether we're talking about family or friends or sickness or pain or depression or addiction, I see the need for peace. And I read this passage that is so familiar to us that that we don't even really hear it anymore. It is so familiar to us, it is so familiar to the season, 
And I see one thing very clearly here. This is God's offer of peace. This is His only offer of peace. If you want peace, there is no other plan. There is no other truce. There's no other way but Jesus. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. So in this season, we hear the angels' praise. We're struck by wonder. We're struck by, by worship. But we also ought to be struck with a couple of questions. If this is it, if this is God's only offer of peace, then we ought to be asking, what exactly does this peace look like? In John, John's Gospel, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. My peace doesn't look like the peace that this world offers you. So this peace that Jesus offers is going to be different than anything else we've ever experienced, anything else we've ever seen. If you flip back just one chapter in Luke chapter 1, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, offers a prophecy at, at John's birth, prophesying that his son John will prepare the way. And in, in verse 76, he says, And you, child, you, John, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord. You will go before the Christ to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high and to light and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I read Zechariah's prophecy, and, and you realize we can't find this peace on our own. You can't find this peace yourself. Why? Because you're in darkness. We are in darkness. We, we can't find this peace. We can't make it ourselves. It's not a matter that if I just believe the right things, do the right things, live the right way, I'm going to have peace. If I, if I learn to be introspective and, and, and lay down all my hostility, I will find peace. That's not this kind of peace. We're in darkness. He has to guide our feet to this peace. He has to take us to this peace. It is not of our own making. It is not within us. It is His. Just a few chapters over in Luke. In Luke chapter 7, a woman comes to Jesus. She is very aware of her failure. She is very aware of her sin. And to make matters worse, everyone else is too. The whole community knows who she is. Everyone knows what kind of woman this is. She walks down the street. The men elbow each other and laugh and whisper and tell stories. The women pull their kids closer. They tap their daughters on the back and say, you don't want to end up like her. She is very aware of her failure. She is very aware of her sin. And when we meet her, she comes to Jesus. She's crying. She's, she's bawling. She's at his feet, anointing his feet, crying and, and wiping the tears off of his feet with her hair. And Jesus knows what kind of woman she is. And in chapter 7, verse 50, Jesus says to her, Woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The very next chapter over in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is 
walking through a crowd. The crowd is pressing in around him, and, and in the crowd is a woman, but nobody knows her pain. Nobody can see her pain. Nobody is aware of, of her problem, but she's aware of it. She's suffered with it for 12 years. She has been very familiar with suffering, and she's gone to doctors, and no one can help her, and she's it's left her weak, it's left her worried, it's left her hurt, it's left her wondering, why won't God heal me? Why is there no relief for me? Why has he left me like this? And she sees Jesus and she thinks to herself, if he is the Messiah, if he is the one, all I have to do is reach out and touch the hem of his robe and he will heal me. So what's peace look like to a woman like that? Chapter 8, verse 48, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You see the connection to faith? Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The angels proclaim glory to God in the highest. That's our faith. That's what we put our faith in. Into Glory to God in the highest, that God is above my sight, God is above my understanding, God is above my ability to bring peace to myself, beyond my ability to handle it. I'll just take care of it myself. No, you won't, because you can't. That's not faith. Faith is knowing you can't do it yourself. Faith is knowing you're powerless. Faith is knowing that you are broken that there is a God who is higher than your pain. There is a God who is higher than your problem, who is higher than your brokenness, and a God who can heal you, a God who can bring peace. That Christmas Eve, a hundred years ago, during the Christmas truce, the Germans started singing. They started singing Silent Night, and the English joined in. And you know, the, the words sounded different, but the tune was the same. They recognized the tune. And the thought struck me as I've watched that video, and I've watched it over and over again this week. The thought struck me, peace happens when enemies sing the same song. Peace happens when, when enemies sing the same song. You can't have a sing-along and be mad at someone. I, I dare you to try. You know, the next time, uh, next time your wife is mad at you guys, next time she's mad at you, just start singing. Uh, you know, pick a song, you know, maybe sing a Christmas song or something. Just start singing, and, and it'll wipe it all away. She'll be perfectly happy with you. Trust me, it's going to work. Maybe. But peace happens when enemies start singing the same song, whether it's a hundred years ago when Silent Night echoed across the Western Front's or whether it's 2,000 years ago on that first silent night when the angels started singing and the shepherds joined in with that message of glory to God in the highest. And the result was peace. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then to, to emphasize that, in verse 10, he says, while we were enemies of God, we were enemies 
with God, he reconciled us to himself. While we were enemies, we started singing the same song. This is the amazing thing about the peace that God offers. There is no limit to the peace that God offers. There, is no re- there are no restrictions. There are no disqualifiers. God doesn't say to you one day, well, you've crossed the line. No peace for you. you know, that's, that's for other people. You don't get it. And it's not just peace here, but not peace here. It's not just peace in this situation, but not peace over here. Peace at your job, no peace in your home. Peace in your mind, no peace in your heart. It doesn't work like that. Paul, Paul describes it in, in Philippians. He, he describes it as indescribable. He says it is the peace that surpasses all understanding. So if you ask, what does this peace look like? I, I have to ask the question, what kind of peace do you need? Where, where in your life are you at odds with someone? Where in your life are you at odds with a situation? Where are you at odds with yourself? Where are you at odds with God? What does your conflict look like? Where is your battle? Because whatever it is, he has peace for that. The second question, that's the problem. The second question is the problem for us. Because the promise is peace on earth among those with whom God is pleased. And so I have to ask, is God pleased? with me. The angels announce it in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That probably sounds different than what you're used to. More often than not, when we hear that scripture, we hear that verse, we hear peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And that's actually a mistranslation that is led to a lot of misunderstanding. You see, the problem is not everyone is interested in this kind of peace. Not everyone wants this kind of peace because not everyone is willing to put God first. Peace on earth among those with whom God is pleased. I'm sorry, it's it's not all-inclusive. This kind of peace only belongs to a select few, and so that ought to cause us to wonder, how do I know if God's pleased with me? Because more often than not, I'm fairly certain he's not pleased with the things I do. He's not pleased with me. If God has a standard for peace, do I meet his standard? What kind of people please God? That's an important question. And it's an interesting phrase here in verse 14. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. That that phrase is only used one other time in Luke, and so that ought to be important to us. We ought to look at it and say, okay, if we want to understand this, we've got to look at the one other time that this is used. And it happens in chapter 10 when Jesus sends out his disciples. He sends them out to, uh, to heal people. He sends out 72 disciples to heal. He sends them out to cast out demons. But most importantly, he sends them out to spread a message of peace. In Luke chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, Jesus tells the disciples as he sends them out, he says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And so the disciples come back to Jesus and they tell him stories about what they've seen and what they've done. And there in Luke chapter 10, picking up in verse 17, 
says the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. For such was your gracious will. In other words, for you were pleased to do this. You were pleased to reveal this to little children. He refers to his disciples as little children. (laughs) These 72 have gone out, who have cast out demons who has healed sick people. He calls them little children. And it seems to me that Jesus has a soft spot for little children. Remember Luke chapter 18, verses 16 and 17. Jesus said, Let the little children come to Me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Whoever doesn't receive it like a child A little child, God is not pleased with that. The thing about a child is, if you tell them something, they believe you, right? You tell a little kid that there's a fat guy in a red suit that flies around a sled and he delivers presents to little children, they believe you. Yeah, they'll believe you that. They they trust you. They, They will believe you, whatever you tell them. God tells us that he offers us peace. Do we believe him? Do we live like that's true? Do we believe that? Do we trust Him? God is pleased when we trust Him. He is pleased when we take Him at His word, when we act on it, when we trust Him. You know, what what strikes me most about the story of the Christmas truce is really the trust that those men had. I mean, they were incredibly brave. There had been no formal declaration of truce. No one had had written down. There was no paper to back up what they were going to do. There were no orders to lay down the guns and start singing. All there was was trust. There was just hope. They stepped out of their trenches with their arms up. They trusted that as they walked towards the enemy, that the enemy wanted peace just as much as they did. Are you willing to trust God that way? Are you willing to trust God so much that you step out of the mess of your life? That you step out of your lack of peace? Step out of your mistakes? Step out of the trouble that you've caused yourself? And step towards a God who wants peace. Who wants peace even more than you. Those passages we looked at earlier, there's some some amazing consistencies there in, in Luke 7 and 8. There's amazing consistencies, amazing results. That woman who had wrecked her life with sin, she comes to Jesus and, and she's crying and she's, she, she's just lost. She's pouring her tears out and, and anointing his feet. And Jesus says to her, your faith 
has saved you. Go in peace. And then there's the woman with the bleeding, and, and she reaches out and touches him, touches the, the hem of his garment. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And the lesson there for us is the, the promise for us who have faith, the promise for us who put God in the highest, is that we get to go in peace. And think about, think about the peace that you need right now. Think about the conflict that you're experiencing within yourself, within your home, within your family. The conflict that you have. The stuff that, that aches deep inside you. The stuff that keeps you up at night. The stuff that just, just won't let you go. And think about how desperate you can get how desperate you can get for, for peace, even, even for just a moment or two of peace. And I want you to realize, as badly as you want peace, God wants it so much more, so much that he sent his son, not just to be a Christmas truce, but to end the war between us and him and to end the war that we have with ourselves. The music has already started this season. You turn on the radio and you hear the songs, and songs that we love and songs that we'll get to hear a lot of in the next few weeks. One of the songs that comes around this time every year is one that's become a favorite of mine. A lot of different people have done it. It's a song called My Grown-Up Christmas List. The words go like this. I'm not going to sing them, by the way. Do you remember me? I sat upon your knee. I wrote to you with childhood fantasies. Well, I'm all grown up now, and I still need help somehow. I'm not a child, but my heart can still dream. So here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list. Not for myself, but for a world in need. No more lives torn apart, that wars would never start time would heal all hearts. And everyone would have a friend. And right would always win. And love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. I read those words. Some of those sound like really tall orders. That wars would never start? Come on. Who are we kidding? And then some of them sound like impossibly tall orders. That time would heal all hearts. That everyone would have a friend. And that grown-up Christmas list reminds us that peace is personal. It's personal with you and me, and it is personal with God. And that's why we come to the table every week. Because it's personal. We come to make it personal. We come to remind ourselves that when God wanted peace with us, He didn't send a delegation. He didn't send an ambassador. He didn't send an army to enforce peace. He sent His Son. And if we want peace more than anything else, peace within ourselves and peace with others, peace with God, we have to make it personal. And I think the best place to begin is at a table. Sharing together. Serving together. Together, loving together. 
I don't know exactly what your need for peace is this week. I don't know what exactly your need for peace is today. But here's what I do know. Glory to God in the highest. We place him above everything. Everything that can distract us. Everything that can call us away from peace. Every conflict that you're having today, lift him above that conflict. Put him in the highest place. Glory to God in the highest. And when you choose to do that, when you choose to come to him in faith, he is pleased.